0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200mg at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: You're listening to the best of Kevin Inquiry on 93.5 and
2: 107.5 The Fan. Cavaliers are playing with four guards, and the four guards out there, along with Cedric, are their best free-throw shooters. Clark in a
1: straight check. Oh, he did it. He, he threw it away. In, this
3: Goal! Foreman leads.
1: Timeout, Virginia. Did we just see what we think we just saw? Wow!
2: No good. Arizona with a great of Princeton growl their way into round two as they upset the number two seed Wildcats of Arizona. Oh no!
3: Some burnt toast on the old bracket. The upset right there. (laughs) Princeton over Arizona. Furman over Virginia. Those were the two big ones as we got day one of the NCAA tournament underway yesterday. And no matter what happens, the rest of the tournament, Jake, two of these four teams are going to make the Sweet 16. Princeton, Furman, Missouri, or San Diego State. Like, imagine telling somebody that, you know told you 24 hours ago but that is the beautiful part of this month and this tournament
1: it's madness that's the whole point right and you know i mean there were big there was big news yesterday around the city in the world of sports obviously big news from the colts big news last night from the pacers but yet the opening round of the ncaa tournament is always center stage it's always the most fun everything from schools that you previously were unfamiliar with, like Furman, to schools that you've always known about but never athletically, like Princeton, to the band director at Northern Kentucky going viral for leading the Northern Kentucky band in Blink-182 and going crazy over it in his moment. That's the beauty of it all, man. The beauty of it all. And... Who doesn't love it?
3: Yeah, you know, so much it could boil down just to that Virginia Furman finish, Jake. You know, for those unfamiliar, you know, I tweeted out right after all of that happened, the turnover by Virginia, which led to the game-winning three by Furman, was made by Kihei Clark. KiA Clark has played in 160 college basketball games. You know, if you were to make a list, Jake, of people you would trust in that moment, out of all 68 teams, he probably would have been close to the top of that list. He is the guy that, and apologies to Purdue fans up front, Jakey's the one that threw the pass to the Diakite guy that forced the game into overtime against Purdue five years ago in the Elite Eight as a freshman. And so you put a guy in that position who Tony Bennett, I would guess, trusts, Undoubtedly, they, they, they still had a timeout. They had a guy wide open, you know, in front of the Furman bench. They could have done a lot of things. He makes that turnover. And then the Furman guard who ends up with it, JP Pegas, Jake, he had missed 15 straight three pointers. 15 straight misses from behind the arc. And he made like that right there sums up March. A guy that is a fifth year senior, has played 160 games that you would trust unquestionably in that moment. He makes one of the dumbest passes you'll ever see in the NCAA tournament, and the kid for Furman that's clanked fifteen straight threes just rise confidently, bang, and Furman now moves on. You and remember
4: when Jacoby Myers threw that pass in the Raiders yeah, Patriots game? Sure. I got shades of that a sec- the second that happened. How about Jacoby Myers going to the Raiders? Yeah, you know? it's kind of funny. Kind of ironic.
1: If you look last night at the game, here, here are the games that took place yesterday. And good morning to you, by the way. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Jay Quarry along with Kevin Bowen. Kevin is decked out in his Celtic green, it's a rugby, right, rugby shirt? Yeah, my uncle brought this over from it's Ireland. Very, it's very cool. About a decade ago. It is uh, one of the ugliest St. Patrick's Days weather-wise you'll ever oh, see. Oh, it's brutal. I I feel bad for the kids that love the St. Patrick's Day parade. It's 40 and raining out. It's like the worst possible And it's combo. one of those
3: days where the temperature's going down. Yeah. Like, it's going to be 30. It actually, you know what, it actually kind of looks
4: like Ireland outside, right?
3: God, it's such an ugly day for St. Patrick's Day. But yes, happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody
1: out there. Uh Mark, you got on green? Yeah. Wearing
4: my uh Oregon shirt.
1: Okay, good. Mighty Oregon. Um But the scores that took place yesterday, there are always a game there's there's always a game after round one where when you look at the scores, because there's 16 games that took place yesterday. You've got true TV, TBS, TNT, CBS, all running games concurrently. So there's always a game or two that afterwards you look at it and you're like wait a minute i didn't i had no idea that game was even going on so let me read you real quick the matchups you tell me you guys stop me when i get to the game where you're like wait what i didn't hear anything about that alabama over texas a&m houston over northern kentucky kansas over howard texas over colgate ucla over unc asheville that by the way scotty had unc asheville that's you your biggest blowout, right? The biggest blowout right now. 33 is the benchmark for one of the prizes.
3: That's probably the game, Jake, if you want to stop. Part of it was because it was the last game of the night, right? I think it was,
1: it was yes. That or Penn was, State, Texas A&M.
4: Yeah, I was watching the end of Tennessee, and I saw that score in the corner, and I'm like, I don't need to stay up for that one. That, that one I can go to bed for.
1: Arizona over Princeton. Duke over Oral Roberts. Furman over Virginia. Penn Princeton State. Princeton over
4: Arizona. I wish it was
1: Arizona over, over Princeton. Well, what I say Arizona over Princeton? Yeah. My, mm-hmm. my bad. Princeton over Arizona, obviously. Uh, Penn State over Texas A&M. San Diego State over Charleston. I saw none of that game.
4: Oh, my that God. That was a good one.
3: Guys, the Cinderella parlay. Did you guys see the end of that game by chance? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, Jake Jake how many, right. how many did you need? Five and a half points. <laughs> Charleston
1: is 63-57 down. 57 the final. I,
3: I kid you not. And I, I hate to be that guy that's just going to moan here for the next two minutes about how bad of a beat it was, but... Please pity with me. Charleston's down four. They get the ball with like whatever, 10 seconds to go, 15 seconds to go. They throw one up on the rim, doesn't go in. Now it's kind of a scramble. At two different points, they could have gotten a jump ball called, and they would have kept possession. And theoretically there, it's you inbound the ball, four seconds to go, you chuck one up, the game's over. They call a foul as the buzzer sounds on Charleston, trying to go for an offensive rebound. It should have been a jump ball. So, with point, they put point seven back on the clock. San Diego State kid walks down to the other end of the court, hits both free throws to win by six. I have Charleston at five and a half. <laughs>
1: I'm sorry.
3: A little I, bit different mood than last Friday for me.
1: Louisiana coming in. Yeah, wasn't uh-huh. Louisiana one of your upset Which parlays? They, they They easily covered. Tennessee over Louisiana. Missouri over Utah State by 11. That was a game also. Another game I didn't really watch. Mid-afternoon game, I think. Mm -hmm. And it was like, okay. Uh, Maryland over West Virginia. I thought West Virginia was going to win that game. Here's a game that I didn't see any of. Arkansas-Illinois. Did you?
3: Uh, Not really. Again, that was kind of... I feel like that was kind of an awkward time slot as
1: well. Auburn over Iowa and Northwestern over Boise State. That is round one. Also... Uh, And we'll talk plenty about that over the course of the morning. As a matter of fact, Voice of the Boilermakers, Rob Blackman, going to join us on the show today. We also have the Voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, going to join us. Indiana in action. That's the late game tonight, taking on Kent State, and then it's Purdue and Fairleigh Dickinson uh, right around dinner hour. Kevin, big news over on West 56th Street also.
3: Big, yeah. You know, we kind of hinted at it yesterday. Gardner Minshew would be signed by the Colts. Uh, One-year deal for him. I think he checks a lot of the ideal backup bridge quarterback boxes that you're looking for. Um, and then Paris Campbell off to the Giants. That is a one-year deal, heavy, as you would expect, heavy heavy injury incentives on that. I think it's just a hair under $5 million guaranteed for Campbell. He can make up to $6.7 million. Uh, Does not really make a lot of sense for me, Jake. Um, it's a spot you need help out anyways. Um, I think he would have been helpful, and I think he would have been helpful, especially at that price. That, that, that price, to me, is extremely manageable. And I think something, I guess two things about this move that's worth mentioning. Campbell is different than Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman. You need kind of that speed slot element to diversify that wide receiver room. That is a loss with Campbell, and if you look at the wide receivers in free agency, it's a very very ugly-looking group to begin with. And there's not a lot of Campbell-like guys. Again, more of that speed guy. You can't just go out there and get you know, Adam Thielen and and all of a sudden think that, oh yeah, that's an upgrade over Paris Campbell. I think you really need to make sure that you're well-rounded for that young quarterback. And, And I guess that's point number two. I feel like you've lacked support for your quarterback in the past few years. If you're going to draft a rookie quarterback and start him from day 1, you need to have uber support for that guy. So for those two reasons, um I think this is a loss. Um I'm also kind of like Jake, didn't you have patience with Paris Campbell to bring him back? Like you you stuck with him through the injuries. Correct. Last year he played all 17 games. He had over he had 60 catches for over 600 yards and Jake, you and I were throwing the ball to him.
1: <clears throat> like it, True. He, well you especially during our our knockout game, you had a couple shots that went arrow well, right and I gave him a nice
3: right there and ready ready position for him to shoot his shot after that um, I, it just doesn't make a
1: lot of sense
3: do you think, think to me,
1: that they do you think the Colts made a concerted effort to retain him
3: that there was definite mutual interest by both parties to
4: make this a second contract. I mean, because was the contract too rich that he got from the Giants? I didn't think so. No, not, I mean, not at all. So how far apart were they? Yeah,
3: not not at all. And, you know, when you start looking at needs, you know, okay, hey, a lot of receivers come out now on an annual basis in the draft, and I don't disagree with that. But, you know, I mentioned it a little bit earlier in the week. It's critical to support your rookie quarterback with somewhat of experienced guys. You know, when you think back to Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning, they both had experienced wideouts in their building in that rookie season that helped them big time. Jake, the most experienced out on the roster is Michael Pittman. He's
1: played three years in the NFL. That, I mean, that's my concern at this point is, I, you know, even if Gardner Minshew you, and I I do think that he's, you know, is he going to be the guy that's taking the primary s- snaps? I, I don't know about that, but I like him. And I think he's got, I actually think he's got a strong arm. But who's he throwing to now, right? I mean, who's he? Who's he? Ashton Doolin?
3: Yeah, and again, I don't think you look at Doolin and think all of a sudden he replaces Campbell. Um, yeah, it just it didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, the other reminder that I had was just how bad the 2019 draft class was for the Colts. Uh, EJ Speed is the only 2019 draft class member of the 10 guys drafted that year by the Colts that made it to a second contract with the team. That's not good, and it's especially not good when you emphasize the drafts as much as they do because they don't spend, uh, or they aren't as active in free agency as other teams are. So drafts matter more. And when you miss on draft picks, it puts you in a position that you're in right now. And not to go back and look at the 2019 draft, but let's think back to some of the receivers drafted in round two and round three of that year. Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, uh, Deontay Johnson. I mean, it is a loaded, loaded draft at receiver after round one in that range where the Colts drafted Rocky Scene and drafted Ben Banigou and drafted Paris Campbell. Um, so that's where I think it kind of adds insult to injury on that. Um, so right now, the receivers on your roster of note, Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, Ashton Doolin, and Mike Strawn.
1: I would like to let the record state that it is St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Day, of course, coming in March. It is the second day of the opening round of the NCAA tournament. A couple of upsets yesterday. Again, Arizona bounced. Virginia, even though I don't think a lot of people had Virginia in the final four, they certainly didn't have Furman beating Virginia probably bounced. But, and understandably so, I, I, I totally get it, and it's very much justified, getting up this morning, getting ready to drive to West 56th Street, Chris Ballard getting in his car, curious to see maybe what we're talking about as to whether or not next year his Wisconsin Badgers will be in the NCAA tournament, maybe... One of the teams from Texas. I think he spent some time down there. And, and he turns on the radio and he's thinking to himself, I want some NCAA tournament talk. And then this is what he he's thinking to himself in his head as soon as he turns on his radio.
3: Definitely made me think. And I mean, Bowen, every time I freaking read or listen to Bowen, it's like a constant freaking barrage of of, of uh, <laughs> hmm It's
1: been a while since we've heard that clip. That hasn't changed, right? Uh,
3: and again, Jake, to me, it goes up another rung of the ladder when you have the young quarterback, because you need to make sure you support him. Um, I totally agree. I and, mean, and that adds to it. I, I'm a I'm a fan of the Gardner mintrew signing again. When you talk about kind of what you're looking for in that, and, and I don't know, is he going to be the backup? Is he going to be the bridge quarterback and start a year like that? That remains to be seen. But you know, think about the boxes that he checks. He's got a good amount of playing experience. He started 24 games in in um, four seasons. He played and has started for Shane Steichen two games each of the last two years, so he can tell this rookie QB, hey, when I've been in games, this is how Shane likes to call plays, or you know, these are kind of the core principles of Shane's offense. He started 12 games as a rookie. So while he won't have, or he didn't have, the fanfare as a six-round pick as this rookie will, he also started in year one, so he can provide that sort of relatability. And I think, by all accounts, he's pretty low maintenance so when you're looking for you know kind of boxes to check for the veteran quarterback behind the rookie I think Gardner Minshew
1: checks several of them well that was going to be my question is do you think that there and, and I don't know that there's any way to know this but you know what's the expectation for Gardner Minshew you think in terms of what his role
4: is going to be is well, he
1: coming here thinking like I'm back as a starter baby
4: I think I, it all depends on who they draft in April
3: well I, and I think his contract tells you everything you need to know about that Uh, I think Joel Erickson had the numbers yesterday. It can be anywhere between like three and a half million and five and a half million. And I think that gap is all due to playing time. If you play a whole lot, you'll get to five and a half. If you don't, then it'll be more in the three and a half range. So I think the Colts are looking at it like we don't even know the answer to that. Um, But I think he can handle both roles fine. You can still get a decent evaluation on your football team if he is the one. As the starter. So uh, we'll hit on that throughout the show. And then, of course, preview tonight Purdue 650, Fairley Dickinson, and in Indiana at 955 yes. with Kent States.
1: Um, Fairley Dickinson, I still think, fairly screwed, right? After the video? In Both my opinion, video. that
3: sucked. Excuse me? I saw De'Aaron Fox retweeted and was like, this is going to be the biggest ass whooping in NCAA history. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know about that, but I mean they're fairly clueless. Can we call them that? Um, again, the small team in college basketball—they are going to press a whole lot. Um, we'll talk with Rob Blackman coming up in the eight Who's o'clock. Who's the most hour. famous
1: graduate of Fairleigh Dickinson? About that, well, probably Mister Dickinson. You the who is Fairleigh Dickinson? Do we know? Should I know that? I remember one time I asked, like, with some university, I'm like, no, who exactly is that? And they're like, oh, dude, he was like the fifth president. Yeah, I'm I, like, I, oh yeah, I, okay. I don't,
3: I, I remember looking it up. I don't think he's anyone of note. Um, I, I don't know, maybe I'm looking too much into this, but does Arizona losing, does that strike any fear in a Purdue fans?
1: I, I think that... Arizona's built around their big guys. I always think, Kevin, that second day opening round favorites are on watch after you know what I mean? Like that's always the wake-up call.
3: Like I think Zach Eady is is a unicorn and is different than even Arizona's big guys. But if you look at the two Arizona big men yesterday, they combined. I think it was for like thirty-five and seventeen. So clearly, they were not the issue. Um, See, yeah, they a- had thirty-five and seventeen yesterday. Arizona's starting power forward and center. Their guards, though, their three starting guards. Six of twenty-one and one of twelve from three.
1: Now, now here's the thing. Don't don't you guys just assume we have we have region bias when it comes to academics. I always assume that schools on the East Coast are like these elite institutions, right?
3: Last like, night they were calling Colgate an elite academic I, institution. I was unfamiliar with that.
1: I think people confuse Colgate with Cornell, right? Because they're Patriot League, right? the students at Colgate very polished. Yes, so like Colgate, in my
4: opinion, that sucks.
1: Lehigh, Lafayette, SUNY Cortland, like these are schools that you're like, well, that's these are elite institutions. Fairleigh Dickinson, I always considered that right. Fairleigh Dickinson Junior College started in 1942 as a junior college in Jersey. Well, that's like where the guy from... I've
4: never even been to Jersey!
1: <laughs> I bet he was... Well, down. You think, you, think, you think Norm, the pizza delivery guy, went to Fairleigh Dickinson? And then in 1948, they got a bunch of money from some dude named Fairley Dickinson, and they're like, I, who who was the original, I guess, gave the money, Colonel Fairley Dickinson. She named it after... The, the woman that originally gave the money named it after Colonel Fairley S. Dickinson... Who died in 1948. So they, they went ahead in 1948 and they're like, all right, he died. He's no longer a Juco. Well, let's make him a real college. That's what it is. I, nothing wrong with junior college.
4: Uh, really Ziggy Wolf, Vikings owner. Really? Uh, Seth Greenberg, also alumni Hi. from Fairleigh Dickinson.
3: I mean, it's pretty much in New York City. It's one of those New Jersey Well, they got
1: uh, here, it says right here, four campuses New Jersey, Vancouver, British Columbia, and Southeast England. What?
4: Now, did you notice who... That's the one you'd go to, just for the
1: accents.
3: (laughs) Did you notice who iced the game for Princeton yesterday? Yeah, I saw that. Alec Pierce's brother. Caden Pierce, continuing the strong Pierce lineage. Uh-huh. Alex, yeah. I think that's what Brad Nessler said on the broadcast. Caden Pierce is the Ivy League freshman of the year, so that's a pretty good family. His older brother transferred and played at North Carolina basketball. Alex in the NFL... Caden is an Ivy League Freshman of the Year, and I think Mom and Dad were both D one athletes.
1: I believe one of the staff members on Princeton's coaching staff, a Culver graduate,
4: whoever really was on the think. whoever the color guy was that was doing uh, the game was unaware that it was Alex Alex right. Pierce's brother, and he's like, "Oh, I have him in my Dynasty a, Football League."
3: Brendan Haywood, maybe was that who
4: it was? Yeah, it, I, I couldn't remember. Nestler,
3: I think, was play by play. I, I love that the two upsets we got yesterday were Nestler and Kevin Harlan on the call. Yeah. Like those two kind of fit. Harlan's great from whenever. an upset standpoint. You know, if you look at the technical upsets, obviously Furman and Princeton, outside of that, it was Penn State over AM and and it was Auburn over Iowa.
1: Hey, Auburn looked, Auburn's another one of those I said about Memphis, like they just play frantic, right? I and mean, Auburn plays like Bruce Pearl looks, just like frantic and sweaty and oh, very intense high energy minutes, and intense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like say Pearl, what you want about Bruce Pearl, but that guy can flat out coach, man. Yeah.
3: Chess painted in the student section for Pat of the Lady Balls that one year. Um I don't know if anyone watched, you know, it might have been too late or, you know, who knows. Don't wake up and look at Houston beating Northern Kentucky by 11 and think that was Houston up by 25 the whole game and Northern Kentucky's Yeah. start uh Houston looked bad. They did. And injured. They Marcus did. Sasser, their best player, one of the best players in college basketball, groin injury entering the tournament. He did not play in the second half. He tried to give it a go. It did not look good. And then Jamal Shedd, who is their other kind of lead guard, um, he played. But Kelvin Sampson missed after the game. He is playing through a hyperextended knee. Again, I think tonight Indiana's going to have its hands full with Kent State. But if you want to start looking ahead a little bit, and again, Jake, just, just look ahead to Saturday. Houston and Auburn. Uh, that, to me, is like a coin flip game,
1: especially with it being played in Birmingham. Do you know what you get when you have a groin injury? Groin pains? I'm all nervous. <laughs> groin pains? In
4: my opinion, that what? sucked. New record. Mark, That's three I, I in think the first it's three segment. In Twenty-two Listen, Mark, minutes. I think
1: you're getting a little bit too much liberty here with the. Nah, I don't think so idea. at all. I, I absolutely am right I think, right on I the think there's people that think that they. they are trusted Mark to we, handle all audio. We had a meeting the other day, and they did some market research, and they said the one thing that we've noticed is that most people at seven twenty in the morning are just amazed with Jake's whimsical nature, and they just love it, and especially oh kids on the school bus. Shockingly, I
4: wasn't at that meeting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a meeting you just had by yourself. I'm assuming. No, I get invited to a lot of meetings. You guys aren't a part of. There's a few things we need to discuss. (laughs) Yeah, I have to (laughs) hand in my key card into my office. I feel like Jake's ego's (laughs) grown here over the
1: last few days. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, do do you think it's grown, Mark? Would that be grown pains for you
4: guys? Oh boy, this is going to be a long Friday show, isn't it? Mark's got to be thrilled to be on vacation next
1: week. My Fitbit says I got four hours of sleep last night. You guys are in for a good good morning.
3: Uh, The other highlight, certainly last night from a local standpoint, the Pacers got probably their best win of the season. Um, Poor Pacers, man. Like a shocking result. No Tyrese Halliburton. We can get to that. He's going to miss at least the next three games. Hurt his ankle in Wednesday's practice. Anytime your best player misses... You know, multiple games at this point of the season, you probably think about him and the rest of the year. But Andrew Nemhard was outstanding in the second half. The Pacers hit twenty-two three-pointers. They beat the Bucks one thirty-nine, one twenty-three. That is the Bucks with Giannis, with Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton. Uh, I almost feel bad for the Pacers. Like no one probably really paid attention to it last night, and yet. Totally agree. It's
1: their win of the season. Totally agree. I mean, that's yeah. That's tough for certain, beca- for, for sure, because, and the dunk of the year for Miles Turner right over Giannis, and yeah, everybody's like, oh my gosh, did you see what happened at the end of the Virginia game? <laughs> but hey, what is that, win 34 for them, 35 for that? I think 30- that was
3: 32. 32, right? 32, 32 and okay. 38, I believe, for the Pacers. They've got 12 to go. It'll be the 76ers tomorrow night inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse. It's their only home game during an eight-game stretch, Philly. Plays tonight. So we'll see about Joel Embiid and Miles Turner. I know it's not something we'll focus on a whole lot today, but this is kind of a plea for Miles Turner from me. Jake, you think back to that meeting, and I guess all three of us were there, right? Pacers, Sixers earlier this yep. month when Miles Turner barely stayed on the full f- floor for foul trouble. Joel Embiid's great, right? I think we all can agree on that. No question. Uh, Joel Embiid, the only team in the history of him playing in the league that he averages 30 points against in the East
1: is the Pacers. Really? He is just such a unicorn, man. Watching him, I I don't know what you do against him.
3: And so that's my issue with Turner. If you're going to call yourself one of the best defensive players in the league, clearly the other 14 Eastern Conference teams are able to hold Joel Embiid under 30. Uh, in his career, he has absolutely dominated Turner and the Pacers, you would like to see a little bit more resistance uh, like the other teams in the Eastern Conference can do uh, to keep Joel Embiid from owning you to that level.
1: I'm really fascinated by this fairly Dickinson-Vancouver campus and then the one in England. They got like five campuses. I, I, I feel like most schools have... Multiple campuses. I, I mean, mean, am I
3: wrong? I guess. Well, like obviously, Vancouver in the, and England is is not IU Kokomo or. <laughs> yeah, I know. mean,
1: you know, you're right though. I mean, obviously, there are satellite campuses for state universities, but this is also a private university.
3: Is there any concern about Purdue tonight?
1: I don't think so. I mean, I, do they have any of the kids from Vancouver playing? Because they got a nice player from the Vancouver campus. Uh, again,
3: six six and under. Five eight five nine. the starting backcourt. I mean, you're going to hear it all night long, the difference in size between Purdue and Fairleigh Dickinson, and they will press the whole game. So, we'll get into kind of the whys and the why nots this? for Indiana and Purdue making Do their respective runs. you know that not runs. all of
1: their athletics are Division One? and the Fairleigh Dickinson Division One athletics are the Knights, and the other sports are Division Two, and they're the Devils? That oh. seems odd. <laughs> <laughs> what? So what does the Division Two athlete say? Well, the, the coach came from D two. If the, I'm the, the kid I'm not that's mistaken. running around that that is like a gymnast at Fairleigh Dickinson, and somebody's like, "What team?" Does are that you mean on? they
4: have like two sets of apparel? Like, yeah, you get, I, I, yeah. I don't get the different. Yeah. nicknames. I'm rocking the Devils all day. Then the
1: rest the Devil, buddy. Or <laughs> number one. We beat anybody. Now they the play devils. later today, right, Mark? The Devils. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah. That's the New Jersey Devils, which is exactly what Fairleigh Dickinson yeah. is.
3: Arizona State against TCU coming up. That's well. That's a late game. That's the latest game of the night.
1: <laughs> Mark, Mark, completely amusing himself with his putty Seinfeld 30-year-old references over there. That's Mark Dykman
3: on the sound. Jake Query, Enjoy it. I'm out all
1: next
4: week. See what an to you want to have any
3: Ugly looking Friday here in Indianapolis. St. Patrick's Day, unfortunately, not going to be a good weather day at all. It's going to be rainy and it's going to be
4: cold.
3: Yeah, I must admit, uh, we are absolutely honored that Don Fisher decides to come on our program when we ask him. He's so generous with his time. Um, there was a thought, just a brief thought, Don, that yesterday when we weren't able to get a hold of you, did you start St. Patrick's Day early in the Albany pub scene?
2: Well, I should have, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, there was no problem there other than the fact that I turned my ring her off when we were in a press conference yesterday and uh actually it was before that uh i turned it off just so that i wouldn't get a phone call in the middle of the night and then i forgot to turn it back on <laughs> and then uh you have to understand i'm old therefore i forgot to turn it back on and you guys didn't get me on the air
1: all good we, we we appreciate you following hey, through. it, it on actually this worked Friday out, morning. Don, because it's pretty cool to have you on on game day itself. Indiana in action tonight, the late game, so it could be a late evening. But um, before we get to the the game itself, Don, I, I think it illuminates an interesting point that fans would find of interest, and that is with the NCAA tournament, you guys, you know, Indiana traveled into Albany when? Would it have been yesterday, or would they have even gotten there on Wednesday evening? What is the travel like for the tournament? <laughs>
2: Well, the interesting thing is that, yes, on Wednesday morning, I had to be at the uh, the Cook Hall location where we catch the bus to go to the airport in Bloomington at 8.45 in the morning. Therefore, of course, we're on bus two, which is staff and family and all those kinds of things. So therefore, we sat there for another 45 minutes uh, just to wait to get on the uh, airport just to travel out to the airport. And then... You still, you know, it's 30, 45 minutes again when you're getting to the airport and you get everybody through TSA and all that kind of stuff. and So we actually got here right around noon uh, okay. on Wednesday.
3: Have you ever done a game from Albany?
2: I have not, and I'm glad I haven't.
3: <laughs> is that because of the, the, the sight lines that you'll have tonight or is that because of
2: Albany the, the town? Albany the town. Um, it's. I mean, look, I'm... I'm not trying to be really negative about Albany, New York, other than the fact it is quite old. Uh, You know, Albany's the state capital here. And our bus driver took us on a tour of what would be a couple of factories that were completely dilapidated with uh, broken windows and all that kind of stuff. So the first uh, thing we saw in Albany, New York, was not necessarily the most beautiful thing I've ever uh, driven through. And honestly, it's just kind of a... I don't know. It it reminds I don't know what it I don't want to tell you what it reminds me of because if I did I'd get a lot of people mad. Oh. At any rate, Albany, New York is okay. It's it's not a bad town or anything like that. It's just not what I thought it was. If you know what I mean.
3: Crossing it off the bucket list to That's right. travel to, okay? Hey, yeah. you know, trips to I, listen,
1: Don, I've seen a lot of it. I mean, especially in the Northeast, there are places that you you look at it and you think to yourself, boy, if I could have been here 80 to 100 years ago, this place must have been something. And then the <laughs> commerce all left, and you're like, man, at least there's a tournament game, right?
2: Um, yeah, exactly.
1: Hey, so let's talk about the matchup itself. I, you know, you have watched different coaches prepare Indiana for different tournaments over the course of the years. Do you kind of find that this time of year, and we'll take Mike Woodson, obviously, since it's the current coach, does Indiana really start preparing for like Kent State and coming up with wrinkles that are the best for a matchup, or is it more so, look, we've played a season of basketball, this is who we are, and we're going to take our chances that teams won't be able to match up to it?
2: I actually think uh, that Mike does a little bit differently than what I've seen in the past. Uh, And I'm not saying that uh, the other coaches didn't do the same thing. The, The one thing that I've seen about Mike is that they're going to really take it one game at a time. They're not going to look ahead. They are going to make sure that you know exactly what the other team's going to do. And it's going to be an interesting scenario for the players because they're going to practice They're, It's not going to be, uh, you know, 45 minutes of practice time and then uh, two or three minutes of shooting around and then going back to the hotel. Uh, they work at it. And there's no question they are prepared in the sense of they don't know, they don't know what Kent State's going to do. Uh, and there's no doubt in my mind that they uh, have had all of the preparation that they need to get ready for this basketball game in that sense.
3: It's the great Don Fisher. He's with us here live from Albany. Not a place that anyone should go to anytime soon, it sounds like. And Don is with us as Indiana gets ready. About 13 hours and change away from tip-off tonight. Don, did you have any, uh, I guess, memorable or maybe unmemorable interactions with Rob Senderhoff in his brief time in Bloomington?
2: I actually got along with Rob. Uh, I I rode the bus a few times with him, uh, you know, going to a ballpark or, or coming back from a practice session, that kind of thing. Uh, I like Rob. I think he's a good guy. Uh, <laughs> what they did back in the day, I'm not going to speak to other than the fact that they did a couple of things that weren't necessarily copacetic with the NCAA. Um, I, I really like him, and I think he's a good coach. He, he's he been the head coach of this program after being an assistant for, I, I think, maybe almost seven to ten years, someplace in that neighborhood. He's been the head coach here. This is his 12th season, and they've never had a losing year since he's been the head coach. Um, he's had a lot of 20-win seasons. They've been very tough in the MAC. Uh, it's a really good program, and you don't do that unless you've got a good coach and a guy who knows what he's doing. You
1: know, Don, this Indiana team. You know, you, you've called some games with Kent State over the years, and the tournament, obviously getting bounced in the first round by Kent State, coming back the next year, beating them in, a, in an unbelievable regional final where they're still, you know, uh, like Jared Ottle just hit another three, right, in that game. Yeah, um, exactly. But, and Dave Five. Yeah, and all those guys, man. It was unbelievable, that barrage. But the, the NCAA tournament, to me, is in fact so magical because oftentimes teams that get hot or make a run – It's a guy that over the course of the year maybe wasn't an integral player, and that's the key factor, if you will. If Indiana's going to make a deep run, Trace Jackson Davis is is a phenomenal talent. Jalen Hood, Shafino, as we saw in Mackey, can carry a team with his mid-range game going. But if Indiana's going to make a deep run in the tournament, if you had to pick one player to be kind of their X factor, who is the most critical that needs to be clicking on all cylinders?
2: Well, I just don't know, because honestly, uh, we haven't had anybody that's stepped up on a consistent basis like that all year long. Uh, The guy that's been hot here of late has been Tamar Bates. Uh, He's come off the bench. He's given Indiana some really good performances here in the later stages of the season. He had 14 points uh, in the game against Maryland, which was a big boost to this ball club, no question about that. I still think, and, and I know that Trey Galloway and Miller Kopp are two other guys that I think are really good players and and have a chance to do the kinds of things you're talking about. Um, but they just haven't had any consistency. I don't know who to pick in that regard, other than maybe Bates, who's had the hot hand here of late. And Malik Renew's another guy that's been really good a lot of the time throughout the last 10 games of the season in the sense of coming off the bench and giving him something. But Nobody seemed to do it consistently well, and that's what's a little concerning at this point in the year when when you're really counting on guys to be factors for your basketball team and to be consistent in that regard, and I can't say that we've had a guy that's been that way at this juncture.
3: He's the Hall of Famer. He's Don Fisher. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline again tonight. It's IU and Kent State, approximately, which I'm sure Don loves that. Nine fifty-five, the tip from <laughs> Albany. Um, are, are you a are, are you a napper? Not to get too personal, but will you will, will you nap today, Don? Because I'm afraid nine fifty-five means like ten
2: twenty. Uh, you're not the only one that feels that way, and I'm not a napper, so that gets me real irritated.
1: Don, Don, you could probably schedule another factory tour from 940 to 10 sure. yeah, huh? if you'd like. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, I could probably get the entire town surveyed before we go there. <laughs> <laughs> That yeah.
3: window shattered in 1974. <laughs> We're going right. to replace it here coming up. Uh, Don, w- would you look specifically at Kent State, I've you know, talked about it all, all week long. I think there are some reasons to have some legit concern. I get they're not the tallest, they're not the deepest, they're not the greatest shooting team, but a Couple words you hear from people that you know have seen them play—they're confident and they're r- relentless. What have you observed from your background on Kent State? Uh,
2: the one thing that I'm concerned about is their toughness factor. These guys—they uh, go out there and they play hard. They—they uh, they will get after you in every way, shape, and form. Uh, senderhoff has them playing as hard as anybody in the country. Uh, they are going to be a tough matchup, and they're not as big as Indiana. Uh, their big guy inside, Claron Hornbeek, 6'9", he's 224, a sophomore. He doesn't get that many minutes because they go smaller what they have to, especially in the sense of getting guys that can score the basketball. And they've got a couple coming off the bench who can do that pretty consistently. Chris Payton being one, he's seven, and Jalen Sullinger, a 5'10", guard is tough as well. They're going to be they're going to be a real matchup issue in the sense of going smaller for this Indiana basketball team, and we've seen uh, you know we've seen the problems that Indiana has when somebody comes out and just absolutely says uh, we're going to come after you big time, and you're not going to be able to do exactly what you want to do. And I think that's the kind of team that Indiana is going to face here. They're going to take they're going to try and take away Trace uh, with the dig down type of. Uh, double teams and that kind of stuff that a lot of other ball clubs have had success with. They've seen the recipe, if you're going to beat Indiana, what you have to do. Uh, And my concern is that Indiana matches their intensity from the very beginning of the first, of the tip-off, because that's the one thing we've seen where Indiana's been vulnerable. If they get off to a a really bad start uh, or get behind by 10, 12 points in the first half, it is hard to come back, and at this level, you know when you're playing another team that's motivated, and you give them a little confidence. Next thing you know, you're in real trouble. So I'm I'm hoping Indiana comes out with fire in their eyes and, and gets the job done here in this first matchup.
1: Don, I was talking with Don Fisher, our guest on the Payless Suggars Hotline. He is in Albany, where the Hoosiers are going to be playing tonight against Kent State in the NCAA tournament. J and V and I were talking the other day off the air about you know just legacies of players and. Trace Jackson Davis. And we, I don't know that we knew the answer to this either way, nor will any of us probably for a number of years. But John was asking me if I thought that Trace Jackson Davis would need a deep run in the tournament to kind of cement his legacy with Indiana fans, or if that would be part of his legacy was that they never made a deep run with him. It seems to me that this, that he is, and you know him, I don't. But Trace Jackson Davis to me, let me give you my observation, is. As versatile skill-setted a player as Indiana's had, maybe not necessarily in his offensive game, but you get what I'm saying there, and also as nice a young guy as they've had to represent the university any way that you'd like over the course of four years as a player, and in that, I, I think it would be great if they make a run, but it's not critical towards his long-term legacy. What say you?
2: No, I don't think it's critical. I really don't. I think this kid has done everything that he was expected to do throughout his career at Indiana. You know, he had to grow like every kid does when you're coming into college basketball from a high school career that had him as a star as well. Uh, He has grown into that position. He's become a leader which I think the first couple of years he lacked a little bit of leadership skill, that kind of thing, but he's understood that he had to learn that, and he was probably going to be that guy at some point, and he's become a terrific leader for this basketball team. And uh, The things that he did last year about uh, you know after last season, because they had a few problems during the year and talked about at the end of the season and said this has got to stop and we're going to be a different ball club this year, Those things to me are critical things that you have to have your best guy on the basketball floor be able to do and say, and he did that. To me, uh, Trace Jackson Davis will be an all-time favorite for Indiana basketball because he's not only a guy that, that did the stuff on the court that he's done, but he's also been a guy who did the stuff off the court that you have to have. Um, I don't want to say that he's a Joe Hillman or the Quint Buckner uh, of the or current era, but he's in that ballpark. Uh, those guys were always, always what we considered to be some of the best leaders Indiana ever had uh, as college basketball players, and uh, I think Trace Jackson Davis is another one you can put in that model. And you know, Don and
1: somebody else pointed this out to me, but I thought it was a really good point. The In the Purdue game, I think it was that, you know, Trace Jackson-Davis and and Mackey, it, it was taking them a while to get going, and Mike Woodson apparently, I think Woodson's the one that mentioned it, that... He had drawn up some plays to kind of jumpstart Trace Jackson Davis and Trace Jackson Davis spoke up and said, wait a minute, like Jalen Hood Shafino is lights out right now. Like we got to keep feeding that. We got to go there. To me, that is a perfect example of on court leadership. Because there are a lot of guys down in that situation that'd be like, Yeah, let get me going here, right? But to have the maturity and the comfort to be able to know what best was for the team in that moment, to me, I don't know that that all guys that are leading scorers on the team would be that guy.
2: I agree with that, Uh, and, and I thought that Purdue game at West Lafayette was the perfect example of the kind of leader this guy is because when he wasn't having his best game and he wasn't the key guy, he was he was talking in talking in huddles. I saw him. I mean, we were sitting right there, right next to the bench, uh, watching what he was doing in that situation. And he was handling it perfectly. I mean, he literally was clapping for guys, telling coach what he thought he needed to do, what he needed to do to get the other guys involved or stay involved. Uh, it was just really impressive. And uh, and he's, as you said, he's one of the nicest kids you'll ever be a proud of. He's not a kid anymore. He's a young man. Uh, but he was terrific in that mode, and I think it was a great example of exactly the kind of person that Trace Jackson Davis is. He cares about this team winning, and that's what you want to have in your best player or your leader.
3: 13 hours and 40 minutes until tip off, Don Fisher. Um, to pass the time, I think you don't. You have a Hudson River boat tour coming up with Larry Rink and Tim Garl. Isn't that why we need to let you go here? I think
2: there's some other me. other factories to see. I, I'm going to go find somebody that can give me an ambient.
1: <laughs> Don, you're only wait a minute. You're only an hour and a half from Cooperstown. Have you ever been to the Baseball Hall of Fame? Because I hear I that's unbelievable.
2: Is that all we are? Yeah,
1: I'm looking at it right now. I just looked it up. Cooperstown, New York to Albany, New York. 76 miles. One hour and 20 Boom. minutes.
2: Call the Uber, Don. Hey, I might do that. I'm, I mean, I'm serious,
1: seriously. Don. I've heard it is fantastic. I mean, I've heard it's fabulous.
2: Well, I will check to see if we've got an Uber or a car that I can borrow. And we may do that. I didn't even think about it.
3: He'd rather be a New Albany than Albany, but tonight he will be on the call, of course. Again, 9.55 is the approximate tip time for the Hoosiers. You can hear it right here on WIBC, downstairs on floor four. Don, thank you very much. Have a great call tonight. Appreciate all the combos throughout the year.
2: Sorry I blew you off yesterday, (laughs) boys.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclib 200mg at kisqal and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali RiboCyclib 200mg at kisqal and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
1: Thank you. <laughs> All good. Yeah. I, I've I told the leprechaun he's got to go away now. I made it first half of the show. Leprechaun was here St. Patrick's Day, but I've matured and I've decided that the remaining 87 minutes of the program leprechaun free. I
3: like that I leprechaun don't, sketch. Don't think that's gonna stick. I like that leprechaun sketch picture. The 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 video when they spotted a leprechaun down in Alabama. That's an old timer right there. Yeah. yeah. I like yeah. that sketch. Yeah. Kind of looks like some of my artwork from back in the day. Um, speaking of art, we'll see how beautiful it looks for Purdue, not only tonight, but through the rest of the tournament. Uh, the voice of the Boilers, Rob Blackman, joins us from Columbus. Uh, Rob, did you take in what sounded like a pretty entertaining, at least, end to the women's game last night as Purdue was trying to advance in the uh, out of the play in tournament?
2: I did. Um, and man, I felt terrible for our women's team because of the way obviously that game went down and they were so close to winning. Um but what a what a great job Katie Geralds has done at Purdue and, and gotten Purdue women's basketball back on the map and I know eleven's an eleven seed is not is not ultimately her goal. Her goal would be to put Purdue back in the position where you know, where Indiana is right now in women's basketball where you're at a nationally prominent team, which Purdue was was at one time. So but, yes, it, it, what a unique situation to have the Purdue women's team uh, right here in Columbus staying at the hotel literally right across the street from where the men's team is. So I did get a chance to take that in. I wanted to mention one thing, guys. I was listening to you uh, as you're coming at a commercial break talking about Mike Conley. We've been using the Ohio State practice facility to, for our practices here in Columbus, uh, and I think a lot of Indianapolis folks would would be uh, – would be uh, interested to know that the the weight room at Ohio State for men's basketball and women's basketball uh, is the Mike Conley weight room, which obviously leads me to believe he's the guy that fronted the money mm. for uh, for that. So that's pretty cool that he would uh, you know have the financial resources and also give back to, to help out Ohio State. So that's a pretty cool deal here in uh, in Columbus. I'll
3: never forget my, uh, our high school basketball coach, Scott Hicks, when I was in high school saying that he voted for Mike Conley for Mr. Basketball over Greg Oden. He thought like the one... I think there are the a lot of people that
1: thought he was the better of the two players. ...that
3: that just made everything go. Yeah, it's like exactly. You try to press Lawrence North, and you couldn't, because Conley would just single-handedly break the press. Not to turn this into a Mike Conley segment, but... Yeah, it'd be just an incredible talent that I don't think... I, I don't think nationally, growing up, high school, college-wise... I think eventually he got credit for how good of a player he was, but I don't think a lot of people gave him that individual credit that he deserved.
2: Well, and I'll add this. When I was a kid... I followed two college basketball teams very closely, Purdue and Notre Dame. And those Scott Hicks and Kenny Barlow teams at Notre Dame, man, I, as a kid, I, I freaking <laughs> love those teams. I was; Those are like my favorite teams of all time. So uh, anytime you work in a Scott Hicks reference, I think that's pretty cool Great too.
1: Great dude. Great dude. Hey, Rob, let's talk about the matchup for Purdue. And I'm going to begin it by asking you the same question that I asked Don Fisher about Indiana. And that is that... When you watch Purdue getting ready for a tournament, you've seen them in a couple of tournaments now, do you feel like in this opening round matchup with Fairleigh Dickinson, does Purdue make some tweaks or changes to their style based on what they might have scouted? Or is it more so, we're a number one seed for a read for a reason, we're going to do what we do and come and get us?
2: Yeah, I think it's more the latter. Um, when you won 29 games, uh, when you've had the success that Purdue has had, obviously what you're doing is working, so why would you change it? Um, and what Purdue has done well all season has made sure that Zach Eady has been the focal point of the offense. Now, the one thing we haven't seen this year, and uh, hopefully as a Purdue fan we do not see it in the NCAA tournament, but we really haven't seen Zach Eady in foul trouble where Purdue's had to play extended minutes without him on the floor. That's the one scenario that, quite frankly, Uh, has never really popped up this season. Now, he did miss one game against New Orleans uh, back in December. That was a home game uh, because he was sick, so he missed the whole game. And Trey Kaufman-Wren had to play, but, you know, no offense to New Orleans, but that's New Orleans. That's that's not like what you're about to do here in NCAA tournament play. But to answer your question directly, Jake, absolutely. Um, You're not going to start trying to change things here. Certainly, tweaking or even changing things drastically this deep into the season I do think there is more of an emphasis right now at this time of the season of taking care of the ball against full-court pressure. Purdue has had a couple of hiccups against that here in the last couple of weeks, and Purdue knows they're going to see that tonight. They're going to see a ton of full-court pressure because that's how Fairly Dickinson likes to play. So there's been a bit more of an emphasis on, on how to handle the full-court press. But as far as you know, major tweaks or certainly any type of uh, major renovations you'd like to do to this team this late in the season – um, th- th- there's no sense in doing that because obviously what you've done this year has worked and and it's put you in a position to have a number one seed
3: It's the voice of the Boilermakers he's Rob Blackman, he's with us live from Columbus, again Purdue and uh, Fairleigh Dickinson, I think should start on time, I know NCAA tournament times can be a bit odd but they are the first game of the evening se- session so they should start at 6.50 you bring up the, the press I think an advantage Purdue could have tonight which is rather obvious with the press though Rob, like, Fairly Dickinson is small. and You know, if yeah. you get in trouble, just throwing it up to Zach Eady or Caleb first, that can be, I think, a huge part of just kind of steadying things from a press standpoint. Um, what keys has Matt Painter kind of stressed in, whether it's getting the ball to Braden Smith more, having, you know, just Ethan Morton and Newman and, and, and Lawyer, just those guys bring it up. What have been the keys press-wise?
2: Well, the biggest key yesterday, the biggest emphasis, I guess I should say, in practice— Was keeping the ball in the middle of the floor as you're bringing the ball up the floor. Purdue, uh, at times, has been very good at that. At other times, for some reason, they've gotten, uh, they've got, they lost their minds a little bit and decided to try to bring the ball up the sideline, which has been the perfect area for teams to trap. And that's exactly what Fairleigh Dickinson is trying to do. So keeping the ball in the middle of the floor as you bring it up. But I think you have a great point, uh, Kevin, in that. Yes, this is a team that likes to press. Yes, they're all about the full-court pressure, but they're not very tall. You know, in the backcourt, they're 5'9 and 5'8. They're the smallest team in NCAA basketball. Their average height across the board is 6'1. So it's a little bit easier. Well, at least I I say that. Maybe the players wouldn't agree, but I would think it's a little bit easier to throw over the top of a guy who's trying to press you at 5'9", as opposed to trying to throw over the top of a guy like Caleb McConnell at Rutgers, who's you know six foot seven and long, um, or or some of those Illinois guys that were like a Coleman Hawkins, who when they put him on the front of that press at six foot ten was nearly impossible to throw over the top of. So yes, I do think there is an added advantage there of trying to throw over the top of that defense today. Um, but again, there's going to be the way Fairley Dickinson likes to play defensively is it's full-court press all the time, and then they're going to trap you in the half-court as well. If they get a chance in the half-court, they will trap. Uh, they will run and jump. Uh, they're doing everything in their power to try to speed the game up. So big key for Purdue tonight is to try to slow the game down and get the ball in the hands of Zach Eady because once that ball goes inside, I have a hard time believing Dickinson Dickinson's going to have an answer for, for Big Zach. Have
3: you heard any coaches or players talk about Fairly Dickinson's coach and what he said post-game the other night?
2: I've heard some of our players talk about it, just kind of eavesdropping on them, sitting on the bus and stuff, going to practice and those kind of things. Uh, so I know they're aware of it. Um, I have not heard our, you know, coaches di- directly uh, to- uh, talk about it directly or you know make it a big deal with our team. But I, I do know that our players are very much aware of it. Yes, <laughs> I do know that much.
1: Rob, I'm curious about this. Rob Blackman's our guest. He's on the Payless Records Hotline. He is in Columbus with the Boilermakers, who will be taking on Fairleigh Dickinson this evening. And I know that you can't overlook teams in the NCAA tournament. I mean, that's just a rule. I get it. But there's also a quick turnaround, should you be fortunate enough to win at any round. So because you are somebody that's around the team, I thought maybe you could give a glimpse for listeners as to how it works. Purdue's second round, should they get past Fairleigh Dickinson, would be the winner of Memphis and Florida Atlantic. Both teams offer challenges, I think. Does a program, does Matt Painter's group, like at the end of practice, say, spend 10 minutes each on just an introduction to everybody on what they could see from either club should they win? Just to get them kind of briefed on that, so that it's not just absolutely diving in and cramming at the last minute, or do those two teams not even get mentioned until after this game?
2: Yeah, not even mentioned. Uh, that's the way Coach Painter does it, and I've been with him 18 years, so I have a pretty good feel for how this works. The, they, yeah, they are. They have not been mentioned. Uh, Memphis and Florida Atlantic, and they will not be mentioned, uh, whether it be practice, film, whatever it is. Uh, the focus is solely on Fairly Dickinson from a player standpoint. Now, very similar to the regular season, the coaches, and that includes the grad assistants, they've already begun their advanced scouting on a potential next opponent, which is not – that's not uncommon. You do that in the regular season, too. Once you have your scouting report in for your, for your next opponent, you move on to the, to the following opponent who's ever next on the schedule. And start putting together that scouting report. So the, the the base work has already been done for both Memphis and Florida Atlantic, uh, because that's just the, that's the normal routine. But as far as addressing those things with the players or talking about those things, um, no, those have not been those two teams have not been talked about, and nor will they be mentioned uh, until I guess probably about eleven o'clock tonight or so if Purdue wins, and then you see who Memphis and Florida Atlantic who wins that game, uh, which is the second game right after the Purdue game tonight.
3: Robbie, I don't need to remind Arizona and Virginia fans this. The reality is you can go home now at any point. Um, So I I asked this question just looking ahead a bit, and I apologize if if maybe I'm thinking too much about next year. But has Zach Eady been asked, or do you have any inkling whatsoever on him and potentially entering the NBA draft?
2: I do not have an inkling. I do know he was asked, I think it was last week at the Big Ten tournament. Might have been the week before. Which, ironically, I thought was interesting. It was the first time I'd heard anyone ask him about it from the yeah, media I, standpoint. Yeah, I was going to
3: say, I feel like I haven't heard anybody ask him.
2: Yeah, you would, you would have thought that question would have been asked a hundred times by now, if not a thousand times. Um, but that's the only time I've heard it brought up, at least in any type of a public forum. And all I know is he said, I haven't even thought about that right now. Which... We'll take him at his word, but I think I don't care who you are. With a, If you have his skill level, you, you have thought about it. <laughs> now, you might not tell anyone that, but that's certainly the thought has crossed your mind about what your decision is going to be for next year. Um, so we'll see. I think, you know, it's, I don't know. While well, I've never asked him specifically uh, about this, my gut feeling has always told me, at least for the Purdue guys that we've had that have you know, been drafted here in the last few years, They've always, it always feels to me like if they're a, if they know they're a guaranteed first rounder, the odds are very much that they're headed to the NBA. Um, But if they are not a guaranteed first rounder, uh, you know, normally those guys come back. Um, You know, they test those NBA waters. I know Travion Williams did it, I think, twice and kept coming back both times. So so for guys in recent memory... um, you know, Biggie Swanigan, uh, God rest his soul, I know he tested the NBA waters and then decided to come back uh, one extra year. So that would be my gut. Again, I haven't asked him, but my gut tells me if if someone says, yes, we're definitely taking you in the first round, I could see Zach Eadie leaving. Uh, but if there's no guarantees that that's going to happen, uh, I, would, I would not be surprised if Zach plays again for Purdue next year.
3: I, I thought I read somewhere that like for international students it's like harder from an Nil standpoint. I, I don't know if there's any validity to that but like that's been something that maybe I don't know Edie can't tap into as much as you would think I you know I, I'm seeing those jersey, those like hockey jerseys and I thought yeah. that had something to to do with him but uh, do you know anybody or anything on that front like from an international student standpoint based off a of visa like it's harder to do Nil things. Yeah,
2: that's- I do not know that. And that's a very good thought and question by you, Kevin. Unfortunately, I don't have the answer. Um, And I had not seen that article or what you're referencing. So maybe there is something to that that I'm not aware of. But yeah, I don't I don't know about that.
1: Rob, give us an idea what the day looks like for the Purdue basketball team. I mean, it's a tournament game. Obviously, they're not in class today. They're in Columbus, Ohio. They wake up. They're early morning game. You know, there's there's early afternoon games, etc. and then Purdue tipping off right around the dinner hour. So what does the day look like?
2: Funny you would ask because I have the itinerary laying right here in front of me. Oh, perfect. Uh, <laughs> now, yes. So breakfast here, team breakfast at 9 a.m., at nine forty-five on the bus, head over to Ohio State. Uh, we're going to use their practice facility from uh, ten to eleven thirty. Uh, come back here, lunch at noon, uh, and then off your feet slash take a nap or watch basketball or whatever it is you do uh, until two forty-five. And then there'll be a pregame meal at two forty-five, and uh, and they'll roll to the arena at uh, at four forty-five. Which the beauty of the arena, the hotel is literally right beside the arena. We could walk there in five minutes, but. But, yeah, that is uh, that is what the itinerary looks like for today.
3: You think it's all green food at breakfast?
1: <laughs> it was <laughs> well, when I was in college.
2: Listen, right? I've been doing this. I've been, and I know you're making a St. Patrick's Day re- uh, reference. I've been doing this for 18 years. I've eaten the same freaking breakfast with this team for 18 <laughs> straight years. So I can tell you exactly what it is. Sausage and bacon, pancakes, scrambled eggs, some type of fruit, hash browns, and oatmeal. And that is the same breakfast I have ate for 18 straight seasons. That I've eaten for 18 straight seasons.
3: Jake, a little different than the breakfast Mark and I had last Friday. <laughs> Your, That's and, right. And, Your Long's and, Donuts and, yeah. and PBR, yeah, right? Uh, slightly, slightly, slightly different. Although logs, Donuts and PBR, I think a few people might be having that to start this Friday here in Indianapolis. Rob, we obviously hope the stay in Columbus is through Sunday, and we hope the next destination for you is the world's famous arena, and that would be Madison Square Garden for the Sweet 16 in the Elite Eight. Have a great call tonight, and thank
2: you for the time. Oh, all right, guys. Thanks.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.